Hey everyone, welcome to another amazing episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe, and this is going to be episode 99, getting there people, with my buddy Alex Mandrajiv, who is one of my favorite contemporary digital artists. It's really great to have him on the show. Um, His work really captures a really amazing mood and essence uh, that I find in films or really great photography. He captures the soul of things, and I really admire his ability to do so. Uh, In this episode, we talk a bit about the impact of film that it's had on Alex's work and his love for film. We discuss some of his favorite directors and films. Uh, We talk a bit about his love for John Carpenter's films, David Fincher's films, um, just the studying of films. Um, We talk a bit about Alex's backstory and explain some of his his, uh, upbringings as he went through college and stuff. So that's really interesting. We talk a bit about originality and nostalgia as well in this episode. And Alex has some really great interesting uh, thoughts on this topic that I think you guys will enjoy. This week's episode is sponsored by Maxon, the creators of Cinema 4D. I get asked all the time how I generate my 3D imagery and I remind, I tell everybody that I use Cinema 4D because that's what I use. It's an amazing software. Um, if, If I can make something in there, then you guys can. So it's great for anybody at any skill level from novice to professional, um, very high level. You can do so many different things in that software. It's amazing. Um, so check it out. If you haven't checked it out already, check it out. Cinema 4D. Um, if you're interested in checking out the massive resource library, they have this really amazing uh, resource library at c4dlive.com where you can check out professionals doing presentations and explaining how they do the things that they do in Cinema 4D. If you're interested in checking out C4D, check out maxon.net, M-A-X-O-N.net. We'll have links at the, in, the, in the podcast notes, but check it out. This week's episode sponsored by Maxon. Thanks, guys. Um, this is it, guys. Episode 99. Big thank you to my buddy Alex. Here we go. Thanks a lot for taking the time to do this, man. Dude, yeah, dude, thank you. you. <laughs> oh no, no, really. I as many times as this could possibly fail, I'm down to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't rub it in my so, face, man. <laughs> what even happened last time? What, like, why did that happen? I you had a power you, outage, right, or whatever, or something happened that your computer crashed. Yeah, my computer just like was all, eh, fuck it, I'm over it, and <laughs> just shut Conversation down. Conversation was too awesome. It was, yeah. like, it was like, cannot compute the awesomeness. Oh no, <laughs> that's that was, good enough to uh, corrupt the file, I guess. So. Yeah, it's like, damn, this is too saucy. I can't, I can't take this. It's too much. <laughs> so yeah, it took a shit on us, and yeah, and so I, I, re- I restarted the computer and. When I did, I hit record and we were going and it seemed good. And then, no, it's just got destroyed. So round two, I think that actually I'm hoping and I'm pretty sure that this might be even a better episode because we know a little bit more about one another. So that absolutely, can, yeah, that usually yeah. helps, you know. Yeah, more natural. I won't be a sputtering klutz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Everybody <laughs> says that too about themselves when they, they come on the show. They're always... Um, I think you're not aware of how you speak until you are in a public forum. And then when you know, it's like for eternity on the internet. (laughs) Well, naturally (laughs) it has to be right. Cause the first time there's a lot of, um, uh, well, uh, uh, and the second time around or a third time, it's more relaxed and you don't have to really 
care. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I'm I'm happy to hear that. So, well, we can start whenever we can start now if you want. Sure. Yeah, let's do this. This is freaking round two with Master Alex, professional painter. You just posted up a bunch of rad stuff on your blog, did you? Did uh, you know? uh, yeah. Well, just one, one, a couple of images. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. it's so sexy. Oh, thanks. If you're listening to this, we'll have links. Check it out. Oh, yeah. I watched <laughs> this uh, documentary on Netflix uh, a bit late on on, uh, on my behalf, but it was called Cocaine Cowboys. Mm, I've heard about that. Is it good? It's really it's really good, yeah. Writing that down. And um, I actually I heard it through the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, a great podcast man yeah, freaking love yeah. joe rogan oh yeah he's he's brilliant uh <laughs> yes yeah and uh i got inspired by just the the vibe i got from this uh documentary and i started doing these things these paintings and these uh, tracks uh uh called columbia and just uh the, the feeling of drug cartel and mm the the feeling of that violence and I, I just wanted to do that as random as that sounds I just had to put it out there that's awesome it's cool because as we talked about last time in our last conversation we talked about how your art takes me to a place filmically very quickly um you put just the right amount of information to set the mood and tone for my mind to finish the rest of it and then build a story from there Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I really love about the energy that I get back from what the things that you create. And that's my personal interaction with it. So it's oh, cool. Thank you. It's cool to see like how you're readapting things. And like, that's probably like a perfect place for you to be in your mind. I would imagine it's just, you're just able to just watch something, get inspired from it and then go, Oh, I'm just going to make something rad from this. Cause yeah. And, uh, and uh, only recently I've been trying to, uh, teach myself. I've been watching um, David Fincher, a lot of David Fincher stuff. Yeah, what you've been watching? Uh, just his old, uh, older films, starting from Alien Three and going <laughs> up. Really? Uh, uh, yeah, that's so weird. I'm just watching Alien Three right now. I'm restudying it. Which one are you watching? The Assembly or the Director's Cut or? Uh, the uh, the director's cut. Yeah, yeah. I, have the, I have the the whole uh, collector's thing, Alien. Yeah, me too. And uh, Alien Three. It's like a huge box, right? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, a great. That's freaking such a steal for that thing. Oh yeah. It's um, funny. It's ironic. And I just I love how he composes his shots and how it's edited together. Uh, like for example, in Seven. Um, how how it's uh, how he brings characters together through uh, th- through uh, uh, the composition of where they're standing. I forgot what it's called. I'm sorry. I'm blocking through blocking and mm-hmm. how yeah. and how uh, <clears throat> uh, how he gets uh, the the uh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my mind is blanked. I'm no, it's sorry. okay, but but it's uh, well, he's a master of that stuff. Yeah, though. yeah, he's and really good. He's I, really keen on uh, putting those things together. Basically, I'm just trying to uh, mix in some sort of structure and and refreshing and learning and relearning things into my 
subconscious or random. I'm, I've, I'm very comfortable with what I do and I'm trying to apply a little more structure into mm. my shots because currently with the work I'm doing, I'm asked to do a lot of storyboarding, mm-hmm. which is later assembled into animatics. And in the beginning with this job, it was just compositions that looked cool. And now I've come uh, to a point where I, I want to uh, design. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of stepping back a little and I'm, I'm trying to design it graphically hmm. to tell a story through a very simple visual uh, way. You know, like um, there's a there's a YouTube channel called Every pa- Every Frame of Painting. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. I love that one. And uh, look that up right now. He uh, he talks about a lot of directors and uh, different methods, different uh, storytelling uh, processes. But a one that stuck out to me was uh, Nicholas Winding Refn mm. and the quadrant system. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, how, uh, yeah, how he, he tells a story in, in different, in the different uh, parts of a frame. I never really thought about that. I always... But you're like, I, I watched, love that film. <laughs> I watched Drive and I'm like, this, yeah. this, this shot's so beautifully. Yeah. And, and I just watch it and I don't really think about I don't really study it. I, I every time, it's ridiculous to say that for you know, especially that I, I'm you feel so obsessed it though, right? over it. But I feel it. But yeah. I never really sat down. And this guy broke it down. Like, mm. Jesus Christ! How do you? <laughs> how did he figure that out? I thought the how same you, thing. I was like, yeah. what the hell? How did this guy figure this out? Because I, yeah. I remember sitting there watching Drive in the theater, going, "Wow, like I am loving the shit out of this film right now." And I'm like, "Why is it? You know, it, there's a reason. You know, um, the choices that the director makes." Um, you connect with it, you know? Yeah. And that's- but then from watching that, it's, uh, it's, it made me realize how simple it is. Just the idea of that quadrant um, splitting the screen in fours mm-hmm. or, or twos. Yeah. Quadrants, uh, yeah. And uh, I started watching a lot of different directors and no- noticing how how they did that. Like one Kubrick came in mind because his shots mm. are, are sometimes very, well, all the time they're very symmetric. Yeah. And there's, they have that centered eerie or, uh, even Wes Anderson has that's Yeah. Wes is very big on controlling the frame. Yeah. It was actually funny. I was watching 2001 the other day. And because I'm studying it again, it's actually a very simple film. If you break it down to the core essence of the story, I was really surprised. I hadn't watched it in a long time. And one thing I noticed is there was a couple of shots that were bugging the shit out of me because they weren't for perfectly symmetrical. And one of them was when they're in the office um, and he's talking about, you know, the mission and all this stuff. And he's standing there in the center. The camera is like it's pushed to the right. That's a very wide angle lens, but it's pushed to the right just slightly where everything is just shifted off. And it, <laughs> for me, it's like, what the hell? And I think there's got to, obviously, there's probably some kind of reason or something. But I don't know. I just felt it was interesting. Um, I had this like idea that the reason why he centered his shots 
and I am going to try to explain it, but this was my own personal thing was because it's the eye, your eye naturally just rests right in the center of the screen and it, and it immerses you. You're in the scene. It's almost like being in on the set, if that makes sense. And you're observing the frame on your on your own free will. You're not being controlled. Yeah. And 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 almost every shot is like that. There's there's very few shots. I think in in Eyes Wide Shut, there's some shots that are not like that, which is interesting to see. Yeah. He yeah. barely does that though. Yeah. Well, that was he didn't finish that film completely, so it's hard to tell because um, I don't think he even finished the edit right. Before he passed away unfortunately oh, yeah so yeah. i don't you know it's hard to tell you know whose choice was what and when and how and stuff bringing up um this every frame of painting this guy's broke down satoshi's con really well which is really oh, yeah. great as well which is there's a bunch of he broke down um fincher's stuff as well which is just really great oh there was something i was gonna say frick what were we talking about just earlier so i lost my train of thought i had something cool to share with you damn it was it when I lost my train of thought? <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't know. Shit, man. It's just studying film and stuff. And um, it was yeah. probably the Fincher thing. That's where it came from. The 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 blocking is every frame of painting. Actually, that's where I. That's what I was trying to uh, re- reiterate. That's what I was trying to repeat. And I I forgot what he said. And I'm like, fuck, whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> great. I'll have I'll have links. So I mean, I'm sure most of the people that. Um, listen to this podcast or familiar with Tony's channel, every frame of painting. We'll have links to it though, but yeah, it's really great. It's really cool to see people being able to understand it beyond just like, that's cool looking, you know, they actually yeah. understand the essence of these decisions and choices and then breaking them down into a study. That's like, makes somewhat sense. I think sometimes too, a lot of this is subjection, but when it's, it's cool when you can discover the art and the craft behind the film, um, when you break it down and, Sometimes I wonder, do you think when Fincher's on set, do you think he's doing, he's calling every frame or, is, or do you think that, um, maybe like, you know, Darius Kanji is calling some of this stuff as DOP and all that kind of stuff. Do you think it's always Fincher's decision? I mean, that's the interesting thing about a director, right? Is you don't know exactly if it was everything them or, and it's not always them only it's the whole team, you know? Yeah, I, you know, that uh, I don't know. I, I was wondering that about the House of Cards uh, because mm. every other episode, uh, but the pilot, I mean, it's completely uh, different directors, if not a repeating, but not Fincher director, you know, and, yeah. uh, and it's, uh, but it feels like Fincher. Yeah. So, uh, he definitely, he started leads, it. Yeah, he he. It's I think he probably leaves a guide, or everybody knows what to do, and they just stick to it, which goes to show how uh, <clears throat> how amazing whatever it is that he does is, and and how and it's they follow it to the exact. And it feels like you're watching a Fincher film. It does. Um, That's a you damn good show, man. You can't do that with, let's say. A, david lynch you know the, the pilot <laughs> yeah. to twin peaks is david lynch the rest starts to eh, feels <laughs> yeah yeah well he definitely then, i think david as yeah. a creator he likes he likes to explore yeah he's okay with failing i think you know and or succeeding you know 
that's what I get from his work personally. He's uh, definitely an explorer, um, not worried about attaching himself to consistency of something I think is more or less the journey of exploration. And that's what I've heard too from people that have worked with him and stuff, which is kind of fascinating. Yeah. Damn. There was a, this thing I'll send to you. I'll try to find it actually. Uh, Andrew, do you remember, did I send you that Fincher thing? It was like, this guy did a breakdown study of Dave Fincher on uh, alien three. Um, his edits or yeah, I think his edits or something. Let me see. It's pretty interesting. You might've seen Alex. Hmm. It's on my Facebook. I'll find it. Just posting all kinds of hotness up there. Fincher goodness. Have you seen, Oh, that's what it reminded me of. Um, we were talking about Kubrick and I was going to ask you if you've had seen, um, uh, Kubrick's boxes, the documentary on like Kubrick's collection of madness. You seen that? You mean the the huge box with all the notes and, and whatnot? Is that what you're... There's no. A, no, there's a documentary. I think it's like a BBC documentary about this guy who goes and finds like the, all these archives at, at Kubrick's house that has like all these um, just like f- forgotten relics and stuff, but just goes... It, do they talk about the Napoleon? Yeah, I have that I book. Th- do you have that book? Wow, no. <laughs> it's freaking huge, man. It's massive. I, I've seen it through YouTube videos and people you know uh unfolding the rarity that it is because there's not very many uh uh, copies of that entire pack right they they released it i think they i mean that's how i got it oh really off of amazon yeah it was like i don't know like 60 bucks or something it's so big i can't put it on my shelf i think it'll like break my house (laughs) 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 it's totally kubrick style it's just ridiculous but yeah, the Kubrick's boxes is, uh, I'll send you a link to that too. But it was, it's kind of fascinating because with this stuff, you get to kind of see, um, it was making me kind of think to myself, like imagine Kubrick uh, being able to use the internet kind of, you know, <laughs> or wow. or yeah. 3D applications. I think that they were touching on it a little bit when uh, AI was being developed and they were kind of like entering that realm a little bit. He was getting more familiar with it, but um, I can only imagine what a director like him would do with all that kind of stuff. Would, would his Originally, mind melt? He, he, <laughs> he wanted to, I think, uh, use, he was working with Chris Cunningham, mm. right? To, on, on AI. Wow. He wanted to make a super real, uh, life puppet. Of course. Uh, <laughs> and it just didn't look good enough. And I think that's one that's that that was his first try and he, and he canned it right something like that yeah i, I don't know he, well he passed it uh the the torch to spielberg i think right and then i spielberg actually did it right his own yeah I, it sounds like he wrote the script for spielberg sensibilities yeah to be directed right or mm-hmm. some something along those lines and to study it some more but yeah what did you think of watching alien 3 again what did what were your thoughts I love Alien Three. I was I mainly watch it for uh, how unique the mood setup is in that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of one of the most incredible scenes, and it makes me feel dirty. And I don't I I, I don't know why, but it makes you feel the the the, the filth. <laughs> that is, whole is, film is filthy. <laughs> oh yeah, but there's a specific moment uh, with the the doctor when mm. he gets. Uh, killed. Oh yeah, uh, it's a great scene. It, it, it's so 
I think it's all the close-up shots mm-hmm. of of the of the moisture and the sweat yeah. that, that makes it the boot and the color yeah the, the inverted boot. head of oh. the other guy watching yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's incredible and uh, earlier early on there's a uh, moment with the, with the candles blowing out mm-hmm. and that entire violent sequence of the guy getting eaten while they're running away is yeah. just gu- it's gut wrenching. I I've I've seen I haven't seen uh, any film that made me feel so terrified from an alien. <laughs> like I I can't even relate to it. It's like it's not a bear or a dog mauling or it's an alien, but yeah. it, it feels so believable. I don't know. Um, it's Fincher's skill. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. editing and pacing and, and all these different assets that I have to go rewatch those scenes. I remember it being really intense. I meant to ask you, I meant to text you actually, after I had watched it, I just saw a movie called it follows. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Dude, you need to go see that film, man. Everybody that's listening to this too, that's any kind of fan of John Carpenter, as I know you very much are. Yeah. Uh, you're a big fan of John Carpenter. This is a really proper homage, I think. Um, I really enjoyed it personally. It's not a perfect film, but damn, it's good, man. For horror film, for contemporary, like modern day horror film, it's freaking rad. Like, I really enjoyed it. The soundtrack is amazing, too. It's by Disasterpiece, who did the score and soundtrack for Fez, that video game. Oh, wow. Dude, okay. it's, you, you, you got to go see it, man. You have to yeah. see it in the theater before it leaves the theater. It's it's awesome. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I've been telling everybody to go see it. And everybody I've told to go see it has been like, wow, that was really freaking awesome. So, I'm overhyping it, but whatever. So, I really That's enjoyed funny. it. You're going to love it because there's a lot of, like, really good shot kind of sensibilities and the premise of the story is really solid too. Um, yeah, I won't say any more from it, but please go see it and text me what you think. I'm I curious. definitely will. Yeah, probably do it this weekend. Yeah, I highly recommend it. It's called It Follows. And like I said, the score the score alone is just like we talked about how you like Pilot Priest. Um, yeah, there's some there's a lot of synth involved, obviously, um, and there's a couple of tracks that are just like mind melting tracks, like amazing. There's this one track called Detroit. Fuck, so good, man. So good. Wow. It's just like really amazing, like big soundscape in space. And when you put that in with the John Carpenter and like crazy horror stuff, it's like, wow, it's so good. So good. I loved it. (laughs) That sounds great. Yeah, I'm looking at it. It's actually playing. uh, It's not, it's playing nearby. Yeah, go see it, man. Go see it. I'm going to. Putting all these things in the link so you guys can hear. But dude, we're we're totally nerding off. I feel bad. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I, I don't know. Uh, should should I say something? Um, should I <laughs> introduce myself somehow, or I don't know? Or well, I do an introduction and, oh. intru- and oh, okay. I'll introduce you in the early bit of the show. But oh, okay. um, I have you know various questions for you know that we can kind of touch on from last time. We talked sure. a bit about your sensibilities of film. Um, your inspiration from films like John Carpenter and we're talking a little bit more about Fincher right now. I think, I think it's really smart and fascinating of you to constantly be readapting, relearning and focusing on new things. Um, That's like you what said, drives me. That's right. Uh, that, that is my m- mentor always. Uh, you know, I, I cherish and I hold my actual teachers from life 
that I learned in person with that that was beautiful and you know I wouldn't trade that for anything but film uh I I love being obsessed with film I don't care if people call me crazy or whatever <laughs> but it's just I I love film and even if it's a childish obsession just tiny details the feeling of this or that or uh and not really understanding why I like it that's in the, good enough because that's uh, that's good enough uh for you know to give me momentum to do m my thing do you and think you need to know i don't think you need no, to know huh I that's the cool thing yeah that's a, that's i think that's the magical thing about it it's like um why uh it's I, I I don't want to give an analogy. Actually, my analogy was probably going to be really dumb, but yeah, that, that's uh, it's. I mean, it's okay. I guess it's it's it would help to to know why, but it would kind of ruin the the drive for me personally. Totally. Um, whereas I don't know, you see someone like John Sweeney or. Uh, again, I, I mentioned him last time, Maché, and, and they can, not Maché. They can no. break. They can they can nah, break down their their shots and uh, <laughs> and yeah. really go even further and further. I um, I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that when we talked about last time, there's a there's a great ambiguity that you like to live within, and you enjoy that abstraction. Yeah, and instead of like. Pixel fucking is what I call it. I got that actually from Fincher's commentary. I thought that was fitting. I think somebody said something about Fincher and said that he's a pixel fucker. And I thought that was perfect because he just fucks the shit out of pixels to death till it works. <laughs> but I think that there's, um, there's a, there's an extreme, um, for me personal, my personal, um, interaction it was like I told you, uh, the first time that I encountered your work, I instantly loved it. And I think we are kindred spirits in our regards to the love of cinema. And that's where it stems from. You're, you're able to capture that energy with composition, color and boldness and looseness of comp like just the way you put it together. And that's my own interpersonal take. So all thanks to, uh, John Carpenter, man. I was, I was <laughs> traumatized. Johnny. I was traumatized watching Halloween is as cheesy of a film that might appear to be today. I, mm. I still love it as, as much as I loved it when I was younger yeah. and uh, it just stuck with me. It's incredible how uh, I find it lucky that I am able to absorb film this way. I think it's incredible that it had such an effect on me because a lot of other people have had similar experiences and probably didn't, go with it uh anywhere they they moved on and found different things to <laughs> you ever think about that like yeah i was traumatized but uh so were so many other people how come they're not reacting the same way how come their creativity isn't sparking the same way <laughs> as i am you know yeah i don't know if it if it matters if they can draw or not how Do come their ideas aren't clicking you know like, do, you, like uh, do you think that your your upbringing was an uh, in, influential aspect to the, where you're at now? Like your dad, you mentioned your dad does these like wicked mosaics and stuff. Um, 
in a in an academic way uh, uh somewhat yeah but no i think uh it was well no 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 i'm sorry uh in a broad sense yes but in a in a more detailed uh you know the people i uh knew through school and that's i think more uh, of what guided me mm. in this direction because i hung around uh, hardcore film students that criticized every little dumb thing I thought about. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? That's not, that's not the lens. What are you, what are you, what are you an idiot? Get away from me. <laughs> what is, awesome. Do you know, do you know how, how to call, hold a camera? Stop it, Alex. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. And, and that's, I, I didn't care. I just, I was amazed uh, and f in love with how uh, f film made me feel. And mm -hmm. I wanted, whether it's sadistic or, or perverse, I wanted to make other people feel this, make them feel through things I shoot and compose, even if it's a still image or, or a short film. Um, and I did that a lot through from in high school and uh, sort of early college art center, uh, and then I just had no time. But I, I I always had a camcorder and I shot little things and uh, showed them to friends, <laughs> forced yeah. them to watch. <laughs> Would you I, 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 check this out? I, I just shot this. I was like, "What are you? Oh, I don't want to watch." <laughs> Is it like the scene from American Beauty where he's making her no. watch the bag float around? No, <laughs> love that no, no, scene no. though. That's funny. <laughs> Here, watch this bag that I found. It's so fucking beautiful. <laughs> so beautiful. Start crying. So awesome. Do you like that film, uh, American Beauty? Yeah. No, not really. No. It's interesting. Uh, it's a hit or miss for people. It's one of my favorites. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's it kind of feels forced, <laughs> manipulated. Oh yeah, know. that's a that's almost every Fincher film, don't you think? Though American Beauty. Oh well, um, <clears throat> I was about to say something. American Beauty isn't Fincher. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all, dude. Didn't you realize Fincher directed that? Boom in your face. John Carpenter actually wrote it too. <laughs> you know, it's very much a play. It's very much a play that that film. Yeah, um, I guess Fincher. Uh, I think he he knows what he's doing though when he's manipulating you. He's doing it on a purpose to make you realize you've maybe you've been manipulated. If that makes sense. It's like, um, oh, you just applauded for murder. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's very <laughs> true. He's the, um, you feel that, I think, um, I was talking to Simon, my friend Simon Cash, and we were talking about Alien 3, and he he had a really funny remark to that. He was saying that it's Fincher's outlook on humanity. <laughs> that film is Fincher's outlook on humanity when he was at it, that age, you know? The real fucked up thing about that film from what I heard is how manipulative the studio was being and fucking with him, you know, and the whole thing. It's like, oh, that sounds so horrible. <laughs> yeah. And yet still he makes he makes it work so well. I mean, yeah. that was his first, that was his debut, right? 
that was his first feature film. He had done plenty of um, music videos prior. Uh, right. Lots, like tons. Like he did like Madonna, I think even. And um, oh, what's that? Straight up now, tell me. Do you, uh, Paula Abdul? Yeah. Paula Abdul. You remember Paula Abdul? Yeah. 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 <laughs> How could you not? That was like Roger Rabbit time and everything. That was... That shit was the hot stuff back then, man. All overalls and pagers and shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I just, I just aged myself so badly. It's, it's perfect. <laughs> oh, God. But um, we can talk a little bit about your art education because I think that's something that people are probably interested in knowing about, too. It's, some, it's a topic that I like to bring up with every guest is their education and their thoughts of art education and would they do it again. Um, had they known now what they know now or known then what they know now and all that kind of stuff. So, well, um, uh, okay. Uh, before art center, um, I was going through associates in art and the LA figurative art doing academic training, figure drawing, painting, figure drawing, painting, nothing related to the entertainment field. Uh, but it, it, it engraved uh, the human figure's proportion and uh, anatomy of value, uh, light and color, and all that important stuff uh, <clears throat> pretty deeply, you know. And now if you, know, you wake me up, I can, I don't have to sweat it. But um, if I could do it over, uh, probably start earlier with my passion because I knew I knew from a, a lot a lot earlier that I wanted to go into film, but I was obsessed with Juice Juice and posters. I I loved Wallace and Gromit, and I mm. wanted to do animation. So I was kind of discovering and trying to um, you know see if I could do that and following these. Uh, 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 fake dreams if you want to <laughs> and it just didn't go anywhere I don't think it guided me or made me uh, better by doing going through those different roads they were very disconnected so if anything I you know if I were to do it over or that or whatever uh, it would just be starting earlier and sticking to the road I am on right now. Sure. So, yeah. It's hard to know then though, right? Would you say? Yeah. It's hard to know. But I guess like you said earlier, um, following that passion and the passion that you had was just your affinity and love for films. Yeah. You're also really into music too. We talked a little bit about it last time and I mentioned that it reminded me of like Odd Nosdam and some of these uh, older, not older, like the Anticon stuff, you know, like the alias and stuff. I don't know if you're familiar with any of their work. I, I, f I don't think I've heard. No, I don't think I've heard of those guys. But you love music though as well, right? I do. I think it's very, uh, but in a, in a more cinema, in a cinematic way, I don't think I can make a, a great dance track <laughs> or uh, something like what Pilot Priest does or Daft Punk does or I, I don't think I can do that but if it's a, a scene I have in my head I can hear the sound hmm. that I would want it to go 
with. So I, I do that. <clears throat> do you see colors when you listen to music? Only when I'm uh, out of breath. <laughs> I think we talked about that, didn't we? Like, what's that called? You were mentioning something about that. Uh, I think I have a slight case. I don't think you can have a slight case of it, but I. What's I, that you called know, again? Syn- synesthesia. Synesthesia. That's right. Yeah. Um, can you explain that to us? You look at red, and you smell it, or you you look at a you look at the letter B, and you and you see. A, a color or, or you associate um, sound with color, color with sound, uh, smell, color with uh, sound with smell, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah, it does. It's yeah. actually common, pretty common, but they, yeah. but they don't realize it, it even too. Yeah. I think it's just something that's in all of us and yeah, I don't know. I guess I had too much time on my hands at a certain point in my life and I tapped into it. (laughs) (laughs) I think perhaps that's getting also to the idea of where your art comes from. And we talk about music and um, do you feel that music and your art are are as one for you creatively, spiritually and all that kind of stuff? I want it to be. Um, And it all comes down to the, the time I have and the tools I have for music at least to be able to produce it as, as fast uh, alongside with my heart. But I want it to be, and I don't want it to come off like I'm trying to impress. I can, I'm trying to figure out how to not come off pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. But, but, but it's, it's, you know, I want it to be, and I think it's uh it goes together well uh, with anyone out there that's that wants to explore that. It, I think it personally goes together very well. Audio with visual, it, even more so just audio. If you could paint an image just with sound effects, like a scene, paint, compose an entire film um, or entire scene, not film, I'm sorry, of, uh, just with dialogue and sound effects and music and, and have the people imagine the visuals. I don't think you can be as potent through, through an through a visual image. That's just silent sitting there. A still frame of a, of a guy screaming for his life or, you know, begging for his life on the ground is not as uh, powerful as, a black screen and hearing what's going on because, mm-hmm. and on top of that, you're editing it in your head. You don't, you know, you're, you're hearing jolts and, and maybe the, the entire audio cuts and it's, and it skips time. You don't know if it's skip time. You're, uh, you're listening to a different part of the story or is it, or was it just a bad glitch in the, in the audio or what? And and, and you can totally uh, use that for storytelling i think <clears throat> yeah absolutely there's this one interesting thing i meant to tell you about editing i've just remembered it too when bringing this stuff up is uh i watched this study we talked about the focus of eyes and audiences there's this really interesting interesting study it's on vimeo of audiences watching um there will be blood and where their direction of their where their eyes are focused on 
I don't know how they did it, but it's pretty freaking fascinating. But they showed the composition, how people were moving across this screen. There's another statistic that I felt that was interesting. is like in a two-hour movie, um, 15 minutes of that film um, is not witnessed by the viewer. Because you're blinking. blinking. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. How <laughs> fucked is that? 15 yeah. minutes, man. 15 minutes. But I guess that's why audio comes in. When That's where audio comes into play, right? Yes, or it doesn't, right? You know, the absence of it. Right. Have you seen Foxcatcher yet? No. You have to watch that too. That's another one I think you might like. It's really fucked up. Foxcatcher. Yeah, it's um, it's got Channing Tatum in it. Um, oh, Ruffalo's in it. They they are amazing. Like um, I felt like Channing Tatum did almost like you've seen Raging Bull, right? Yeah. The there's some scenes in Raging Bull where you're just like, wow, like this is. De Niro's really, like, he's living this. Channing, I felt, did the same way. And it would, I have so much respect for him as an actor. And then Steve Carell is just a powerhouse, no matter what. He's just amazing. Um, but, dude, the mood, tone, and feel of that film, is it's two hours of awkwardness. <laughs> it's hard to get through, but it's just, it's brilliantly done, personally. And what it told me, too, is it, is um it didn't even get recognized when all those like award shows and all that stuff happened, you know? To me, I realized that it's like that's all just a joke to me. Period. Like I'm not trying to be a dick, but it's like that movie is fucking amazing, and it didn't even get like noticed, like noted at all, you know? Yeah, that's my opinion. P- people could go no, see that I, film and hate <clears throat> it, but it's like ugh. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Uh, actually, I I forgot what film I uh, rewatched recently. Uh. But uh, I felt the same way because it. I was amazed that it didn't. Man, what was it? It was off of um, Netflix. Uh, anyway, hmm. don't want to go off on a rant. Damn but, you! Uh, now yeah. I know. Um, now I must know. But go <laughs> see. Go know. see Foxcatcher. I'm curious. I don't think it's in the theaters anymore. Obviously, but it's fucking rad. I think it's on streaming soon, or I'm not sure. Andrew, do you know if it's around at all? I have no idea. No? Have you, you saw it, right? No. No? I wanted to. You're dead to me. <laughs> it's great. What, what movie have you seen recently, Andrew, that you loved? Lord of the Rings. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> he freaking loves Lord of the Rings, man. And Chipotle. Chipotle, Lord of the Rings is like his blood. It's in his like freaking DNA. Yeah. Wh- oh. Which one did you just watch recently? Uh, well, me and my brother and my roommate watched uh, Fellowship, and then we watched Two Towers the next day in okay. preparation to watch Return of the King within the next couple of days. <laughs> you know what? Those those three, they're, they're good. Really, they're freaking amazing. Especially if yeah. you watch the four hour, like not, the the big uncut, the extended, the extended. One. Yes, yeah, they're well, great. I don't know why That's, I can't speak tonight? But big yeah. birthday style. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, and they have so many hair-raising moments. If you know, yeah. it's just uh, in in Fellowship, the entire ending battle scene on that hill, freaking brilliant. The moment in Two Towers where it starts raining and uh, he slides down the mud with the with, <laughs> with the shield little, with the shield, yeah, freaking brilliant. Like, <laughs> and, <laughs> and 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 in uh, the Return of the King. When he he turns around and he's like, 
for Frodo. Oh man, <laughs> it gets me every time. <laughs> Do you cry? Do you guys cry? <laughs> no. The one part that almost makes me cry is when uh, Gandalf is at the bridge of Khazad Doom and he throws yeah. that Chipotle off the cliff. <laughs> no, when he like when he breaks the bridge with the Balrog, that shit gets me every time. <laughs> Shall yeah. not pass, bro. Shall not pass. Shall not pass. All right, we got sidetracked. I was going to ask you. We talked. Did we talk about Eternal Sunshine last time on the podcast? Uh, maybe briefly. Did you? Um, you've seen that, right? Of course. Yeah. You like it? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. There's something about some of your art that reminds me of that feeling from that film. Interesting. And I thought we mentioned something about it, but I can't remember. <clears throat> it is interesting, though. Um, I'm trying to recall which uh, could po- the which pieces that could be. Um, I don't know. It was like you know, in that film they have a really interesting juxtaposition of technology and a and. Um, Michelle Gondry has a very interesting way of displaying technology. I thought was really beautiful. And there's something about, I, I don't know if it's, it was a particular piece in general. It's just how you integrate composition and technology mashing inside, inside of a frame. I see. I see what you're saying. Thank you. You can up and um, down. <clears throat> I, uh, yeah, I actually, I, I really like playing with uh, uh, the juxtaposition uh, of living and and dying not life and death just people uh, oblivious to what's going on polar opposite the horrible uh, like ignorance oh are we disconnecting here i can hear you it's cutting out a little bit mm. <laughs> And podcast tree. <laughs> no, <laughs> shut your mouth. No, no. I'll. I will seriously. I'll throw my freaking computer. I'll punch it so hard. It's a freaking Mac. No, I don't think so. It's still recording. It's, I can see the audio. Right. Yeah. Um. I. I Andrew's writing know. every word down like a court. <laughs> <laughs> I told him he has to. And then if it broke, breaks, he's gonna have to do your voiceover. We're gonna read a script. <laughs> <laughs> like ah you know i don't know uh, <laughs> who are you gonna have to hire to do my voice <laughs> uh we're thinking of uh, burt reynolds <laughs> or uh um elijah wood that'd be good all right yeah, Wee herman <laughs> Wee herman that's right that's that's absolutely that's a carbon copy right there <laughs> how fucked is that show man Wee herman's playhouse it's like dude that that era was on fucking drugs like there was no joke about it everybody's all fuck it take take the speed take that cocaine throw some lsd in your brain let's go <laughs> Let's make a show. <laughs> Sorry, um, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, it, uh, I, I like to play with uh, showing the contrast between. <sighs> I have this image, a couple of images that I did, and it's just uh, express, ex- expressing my deep, um, hidden fears and just tra- traumatic thoughts that I've. Uh, 
experienced or absorbed through my younger life. And it, and one of them is, uh, you know, this woman relaxing on a bench and to the left of her are these tied up men bloodied. And it's, and it's same thing. There's another image of, uh, it's probably an, not accurately portrayed, but it's a telephoto zoomed in on these, uh, what looks like prisoners being executed to gunpoint. Hmm. against a wall and there's a mural on the wall of these women uh, just reclining eating grapes and it's in it I uh, it's showing the contrast of like the life keeps going <laughs> shit happens every day life keeps going this is fucked up <laughs> I don't it's know why though, huh? but, but but it's it's a really um it sort of stuck with me. I think mm-hmm. at a certain point of my life, I saw something terrible, whether it was on video. And that's even worse because here I am from the comfort of my home watching something disgustingly awful. <laughs> and I feel We're sadistic, aren't we? I feel terrible for watching it even. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I sitting here and torturing myself? And not only that, sitting here watching it. Like, <laughs> I wish I could help this person. Yeah. And and being that I'm so uh, taken by film and I really get into things I watch, I really get immersed, if, especially if they're brilliantly crafted. <clears throat> I, uh, you know, this isn't this. It's not like these reality documentary videos are brilliantly crafted. They're honest. They're just shown as is. So I'm I'm, you know. That's even worse for me. Yeah. So that's, that's just something that's stuck in. And also I've had real life experiences where um, sitting at a coffee place outside and there's a mother beating her child, yelling at it. And you want to you wanna say stop, stop. But everybody's just ignoring it because that's the – you know, that's the social thing almost to do. It's like, no, no, just don't look at it. Don't, uh, you know, that's oh, wow. her thing. And, you, and you're sitting there. It's like, how could you not? And you're, you feel this fear in you. Like, what if I uh, in, involved myself into that situation yeah. and said, stop, please stop? Then you're now another problem that could be even worse. She could, I don't know. Uh, accuse you uh, and who knows these legal political things that could happen i don't know i mean i've never tried that but i've I've experienced and been around things like that and Mm -hmm. it's uh it's just something that's uh, kind of ridiculous to think about but it's there and i and i i i always try to do that and put that in my work not not in every piece but um you're fucked up dude I have. <laughs> I, I, I do think um, I have. I, I am. I am. I'm probably. I have a morbid. Um, sense. <laughs> and I'm not ashamed of it. It's just how that's good. You shouldn't be. <clears throat> that's a, there's not just one side of this world. Expressing my work. At least yeah. I don't. Uh, you know, do anything else. Yeah, let's hope not. Damn it. <laughs> he takes a bite of a body. He's got an arm. He's chewing on it during the podcast. <laughs> no, it's. I think that's also something interesting to bring up is that 
Um, I'm reading this, or I'm listening to this book by Deepak Chopra. Is his book? It's called um, the Art, uh, the uh, Life and Death, or something. Let me see. But he's talking a lot about these um, these concepts um, about astroplanes. Have you heard of that? Um, no. The the author is Deepak Chopra. The, the The book is called Life After Death: The Burden, Life After Death: The Burden of Proof. Um, it's interesting. Uh, he's written a lot of interesting spiritual kind of books. I find his stuff to be fascinating. It's tons of interesting concepts and lots of really great things to write movies for actually. <laughs> it's like, this fills my head full of just madness, but, um, questions, but the concept that he was saying is that, um, and I'm going to butcher it. I'm just barely, barely getting into it, but I think that you would really enjoy this and riff off of it with me on this conversation is that he discusses that each one of our existences, like right now we're in the materialistic experience, right? We're physically here and our mind is constantly trying to grip reality and attaching meaning to the material world. When we pass from this material plane, the astral plane of a material existence, we go into a, a different frequency, basically what he says the soul passes on 21 grams, leaves the body, all that stuff. And then we, we enter to a different plane of existence. And, um, it's interesting the way he was talking about it. And what he was saying is that, you know, if a soul, if a, if a life, when, uh, from his standpoint is when a person reaches their, they fulfilled their karma or whatever, um, they can move on to the next plane, I suppose, of existence. Um, whatever that may be, uh, frequencies though. So like we, as humans, we are sensitive, but we are incredibly dull to the environment and world around us and our con- conscious understanding of things, right? We're built up, like, think about it. Um, our cells regenerate. We get all new brand, like brand new cells every, I forget the duration, but it's crazy. Our body regenerates completely over a certain course of time. Um, he was also using this analogy that I think you'd find fascinating is, um, our concept of time. And he was saying that, uh, I think this was him. It could be somebody else actually. Um, but he was saying this really interesting phenomenon that, um, if you take a, a snail, for example, a snail's, um, understanding of perception, uh, the way the, an action will happen and it takes five seconds for the snail to react. So you could technically pull, pick up the snail move it 10 feet away and then drop it down and then it'll react and it'll think that it's, it's just teleported basically. Interesting. And if you take that in the human, like we, we can break it down into fractions of a second. So possible teleportation could exist if we stretch this, the bands of time, I suppose, and the concept of that and what is time and all that stuff. So it's just, for me, I just love the shit out of that stuff because it gets my brain going like, whoa, this is cool. Like there's so much to work with here because <laughs> it asks a lot more whys and doesn't give you answers, you know, it's just concepts and thoughts and ideas. So yeah, that sounds interesting. How fucked is that, dude? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that fucked up? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's super. So, bizarre. what you're saying, if we spliced uh, DNA from a cell into humans, <laughs> <laughs> if you put a snail on your eyeball and leave it there all day during work and don't say shit, you'll teleport. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Do it, people. The internet. Listen to my advice. Follow my words, cult master. Yeah. 
I just, I don't know. That stuff's fascinating to me because um, I forget where it was going to connect with what your work is, but there's something there. I just, I totally lost track of what it was. So damn it. <laughs> tangents, gotta love them. Gotta love those tangents. But you should check that out. I think you'd really find that fascinating. Um, it's interesting. We, we There was another thing I was going to bring up, another movie, um, The Act of Killing. Have you seen that? I've heard of that. Okay, yeah. I haven't watched it yet. I heard it's gnarly. <laughs> yeah, I haven't haven't checked it out yet. I'm not sure if I'm ready yet. <laughs> Act of Killing. Yeah, I think I saw that um, on my iTunes movie thing. I was about to buy it. Uh, or is that out or is that new? Is that something in theaters or what? It's fairly new. I think it's on Netflix right now, actually. Oh, uh, okay. mm. yeah. I think it's a couple of years old. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Anthony was raving about it. Have you seen it, Andrew? No, I heard it's really good though. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, the realm of cinema nowadays, I won't even say anything about it, but from the bits I've heard about it, it's really heavy and interesting. Um, yeah. I <clears throat> a lot of people have told me that I only like you know messed up morbid films <laughs> from Michael Haneke to Lars von Trier to yeah. all these and it's and I I don't enjoy those films because they're morbid I enjoy it because they're th- thrilling and they are refreshing to see an honest representation of or, or, or an honest a way of telling stories. So, because so much of what we watch, if you think about it, is so safe and like, oh no, they won't watch it if we do this. We, they, you know, I will lose our audience. Yeah, we won't get a return on investment. Right. And, uh, you know, if that's what is uh, uh, controlling your creativity, then. I'm not going to see that. It's not on. It's just not. What's so, what's so special about that? Uh, I, you know, I don't want to sound like a dick saying this, but when, when I hear a director toning down his body of work, because now he has kids, (laughs) I am, you know, I'm no longer doing violent films like he used to, or honest or, because I have kids, I have two daughters, and uh, I, I kind of want to. What are you doing? <laughs> what is that? Why does that matter? <laughs> Just keep going, man, and evolve your sensibilities to a deeper and, and crazier. How Kubrick never did that. He had a family. He just yeah, went to the deepest end until he died. And uh, you know, Lynch does the same thing. I, he has a family, and I, I guess I mean I'm I'm grateful for it, but. Uh, Martin Scorsese, he uh, he kind of is going. He's going back into that, especially yes, yeah. with Wolf and Wolf of Wall Street. That was I great. Mean, love that I, film. I love that he still has that. Yeah, he's, he's not turning away and going soft or whatever. It's I like that. That rawness, the yeah. reality, the reality as you relate to it, I suppose. Right? Yeah. Do you like Pixar films then? I do. I okay. do, of course. How could you yeah, not? I, right? Actually, that was one of the things uh, I was talking to uh, the person who was uh, telling me this. I was like, you, you only like fucked up movies. You only like <laughs> fucked up movies. What's wrong with you? I was like, no, well, I I, I like I like a, a, a Finding Nemo. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah, like Finding Nemo Mr. is great. <laughs> Toy Story is great. The Incredibles. As far right. as composition, I always bring this up. 
the the Incredibles as a film, as a craft of film, is just perfect. It really is. The pacing, the setting, just like the Iron Giant. It's very Brad Bird. Yeah. Brad Bird's a master of that stuff. Just then fucking, again, what's I, that? I love uh, My Neighbor Totoro. Mm, that's it, a classic that's, too. That is very light and it's yeah. friendly for kids, but it has uh, adult themes in that. Yeah. That, Nausicaa too. Nausicaa has that. Have yeah. you seen that? Yeah. Yeah. The Belly of the Wind. Yeah. It's incredible how he manages to mix that uh, reality, that that real life feeling um, and still make it feel f- uh, fantastical and kid-like. Yeah, uh, because that's exactly what childhood feels like to me. Is you're running around and playing, and your imagination is going crazy, and you're pretending. But then there's danger, and you feel it, but you don't. You don't care until it actually hits you, and, and you start crying and <laughs> <laughs> poop your pants. Right, <laughs> you go eat some Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's like, "Fuck you, man! Don't talk Probably about my Chipotle." Right yeah. He is. He's fucking. He's, he's chewing on it. Can't answer with words. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, is there a Chipotle in Toronto? Yeah. I was gonna say I was gonna. You're gonna have to buy some ahead of time, freeze them, and baggy them, and then I did them that out. over Easter because they were oh closed on Easter, and I had to <laughs> keep the street going. So I bought one the day before, <laughs> put it in my fridge. <laughs> so legit. <laughs> Sorry, I keep yeah. fucking up with this podcast with the Chipotle yeah. bombs. <laughs> I have to do it though. It's just too funny. Only thing I think about good. when I hear Chipotle is the South Park. Episode. Yes, Chipotle away. That's what everyone <laughs> yep. says to me, I've That's never seen it. <laughs> you never seen Chipotle away? No. Oh, it's it's fucking amazing. You have yeah, to watch I've heard it. It's really funny. It's like ten minutes. You'll laugh your ass off. It's so funny. Yeah, it's South Park, man. Such a relevant show. So funny. It's the one show I never watched though. And like, it never really clicked with me. I can watch a little bit. I watched the Food Network one. That one's fucking amazing. The, the cream for each one. <laughs> oh yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> base it. <laughs> He's just talking mad <laughs> shit to the fucking the TV. Oh, you gonna base it? Oh yeah, base that chicken. Oh fuck. <laughs> so when I cook, I'm always talking shit to my wife. Like, oh fuck yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Put some cream cream freeze uh, on there. Actually, speaking of South Park, uh, every frame and painting, Tony just did a new thing with uh, Orson Welles' F for fake. And he and he talks about structure and he talks about uh, South Park. Hmm. Uh, he, watch it. I'm not going awesome. to spoil it. Yeah. The guy makes the best shit. <laughs> yeah. I gave him some love on Twitter. I was hoping to get him on the podcast. He says he's really shy, so I understand. But he's, what a badass. So just really articulate and understanding things. Yeah. I really love it when people talk shit or not talk shit, but they articulate themselves and they take the time to articulate themselves to that level. It's really cool. Yeah. It's respect. Respect, yo. I'm giving you two pumps from the chest, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. I want to talk a bit about um, the topic of nostalgia. We talk a bit about these films like Halloween and other influences on you. What's your outlook on nostalgia and how that influences your work and does it influence your work? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it def- it's what uh, I think drives uh, the mood, especially when it comes to how I w- want to light my composition. Um, 
when I'm painting it uh, <clears throat> or how I want to create a music track. That's all nostalgia. It all comes from that. Is I mean, what is nostalgia? It's the memory of something and and the rediscovery and falling into that place in your mind and going, nah, that brings back stuff. And then you dive into it. So it's it's like uh, you you relive that moment in your life, but uh, while being more aware of what you can do with it with your skill sets and whatnot i don't know what i just said but uh, yeah i <laughs> <laughs> love it i love it it's great no i think so too i i'm just i'm constantly aware of that because um nostalgia personally do you think that nostalgia could possibly be, be blinding to the creative mind no i mean uh in, in what way like if you just obsess over it yes and you're not, you don't see the trees or the forest for the trees kind of basically, you know? Um, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I guess so. Um, like, I feel like everybody's trying to get their Star Wars hard on again. You know, that's oh, what I'm I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Give me that fucking Luke Skywalker. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> Turn yeah, that yeah. saber on, bro. Do it. <laughs> uh yeah definitely and actually uh when you put it like that i uh i try and i really don't like to do that sure when it comes to oh i'm just gonna do star wars pieces or i i'm not i don't i like to leave that where it was and maybe pull uh, um elements and moments to make my own stuff but not to completely replicate it just for the sake of nostalgia that, but that's just my personal thing um it's i don't I, th I don't think there's anything wrong with that but in terms of growth as a creator um i don't see how you can move forward by doing that do you subscribe to the idea that we are all um we are all just um an assemblance of the things that we love and hate i guess so it's like you as a person is uh <sighs> You're a culmination of all the things that you've enjoyed or tried to enjoy and experience and put together. Do you think that's about right for the human experience? Sure. Um, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, that's pretty basic, right? I mean, that's, uh, you, you live your life and, uh, you pull from what you've experienced and you, you do the right thing supposed to the wrong thing because once you did the wrong thing and it hurt and uh, you don't want to <laughs> repeat it. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I, I'm not sure. Is this something uh, we talked about? Uh, in, in the, in the we shall world? not talk about that. It's Voldemort, dude. Don't talk about that episode. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> no, I don't know. Totally I'm, just, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> no, we didn't. I don't think we did. What we, what we did, I think, talk a bit about it was the idea of originality. And that's what I'm kind of going into. Because if we subscribe to the idea that we are a culmination of everything that we um, love and admire and our nostalgia, oh. then what's a, what's originality? And do you subscribe to the idea that there's such thing? And what is that? Um, I, I, I'm sure every once in a while you come up with something that uh, someone hasn't seen before. But I think a lot of 
at least in the circle uh, that I am in and many others are, uh, a lot of brilliant, uh, amazing, uh, incredible works of art, film, scores have been already created. And uh, to tr try to sit there and to, to one-up that or top it over or I'm going to do the better thing, it's, I guess you could do that. And it's healthy, probably, I don't know. But we pull from what I think from what is already out there. And uh, whether it's subconscious or conscious, I think it's okay to do that. Um, you know, uh, I think all of the great uh, artists today, digital artists, uh, do that all the time. Yeah. And uh, that's great. I mean, uh, we're one gigantic mind when it comes to this field of creativity and uh you can't analyze that part you can only you can introduce these formulas and mathematical things perspective and proportions and but uh, it comes to a point where creativity is just this breathing universe on, on its own right if mm. that makes sense. Yeah. It becomes an uh, entity. Yeah. Are you talking about the hive mind? Is that where you're kind of, uh, kind of going into that? Yeah. So that's what um, the, it seems like there's a lot of that now more than ever, like Tumblr and all that stuff and mm. blogs and image circulation. Yeah. And, Especially with the tools like these, you know, uh, you just look it up, bam, before, before that, uh, you had to do a lot more work to, uh, <clears throat> Op open yourself up to this beautiful world of film and now you oh what is this fox catcher google and you're, <laughs> you're there you, you yeah if this was you know if this was before that it would be the pro i think the process would be slower but it would still be the same there's something that's interesting though and i'm kind of i've been really starting to think about it heavily and mentally about this because um, for example, like watching the Stanley Kubrick boxes interview or the, the thing. And I was watching how he had hired this one guy to go out and take pictures of all these streets for, um, location scouting for, um, eyes wide shut. And I think that when I was, I was also getting interviewed for something and we're talking about my childhood and my inspirations and in art. And she was asking me about like what it felt like to create as a kid and, um, there's something that happens and I don't know if you, I think you'd probably relate with what I'm saying here and I'm trying to articulate it, but there's a moment of exchange where you see an inspiration and then, um, let's, let me just use an example. Uh, when I was growing up, I was really inspired by star Wars, obviously. And I found this book, I grew up in Hawaii, so it wasn't a lot of art books there, but I found this one book in a store. It was called the art of star Wars. I opened that book and it was the best drawings I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, what the hell is this? Like, I've never even realized this, but it was like, at the time it was $40 or something. And I was a kid that was like a million, I, it might as well be like a house payment or something. It was ridiculous, you know, as a kid. So I begged my mom and we can, I couldn't get it basically. Um, so I went home and I tried to sit there and use my imagination and every bit of my intention to draw these things. And then I would go back to the store, look at it. 
And then the exchange of time between that and exercising my imagination, it did something to me, I think. And I don't know if it's, if the rate of exchange is fast enough, if it's too fast for us to be lazy or if it's fast enough, like the rate right now, basically. Um, and lazy is a bad word. I'm not trying to use that as, as the word necessarily, but what I'm trying to get at is, um, the moment of exchange where you've actually put in the effort of thinking about something, um, put forth, um, a dimensional thought and have a, a, a decisive choice before you make the action. There's something interesting that happens there. And I don't know, am I rambling or am I onto something? No, um, <clears throat> I never thought about that. Um, now you do. <laughs> I don't know if I, I mean, uh, that's, that's kind of the field of like, do you really want to know? Do you really want to dive into that? Element? Sure. But, uh, and you're like, no, keep it. There's short. moments. <laughs> there, yeah. I mean, there's things that, uh, you know, you want to, I th personally that I want to, uh, leave the way they are and instinctually train them. Uh, subconsciously I think we're constantly training our subconscious whether we know it or not uh, as long as we are st sticking to our goal in life we're constantly circling around uh, at our own pace uncontrolled you know and you're and you're absorbing things here and there or sometimes at a very constant rate every day you're seeing something and it's just you're getting high off of it or whatever. Mm. But, uh, and you, you, you train these abilities, uh, without knowing it. And, uh, I don't know if it's necessary to, uh, discover, uh, how something that detailed, it is incredible what you're talking about, but it's, I, I don't know if that's something yeah, I've never thought about that myself. <clears throat> I think it's, I, just, I don't know, maybe it's just my really curious mind and what I'm getting at is I'm, I'm trying to figure out the idea of originality. Um, there are, everything is original, obviously, in its own thing, but everything, I heard this one quote that I found fascinating. Is I relate, I believe in it personally. It's um, this guy said it on this sacred geometry documentary. He said, nature holds the patent to all creation. And I thought that was pretty profound and actually pretty accurate because um, a lot of the times we're just trying to mimic nature or the world around us or capture its natural beauty in some kind of form, you know, um, it's fascinating. If we're doing that, if, if, in, if, um, if nature is random or do you think nature has a pattern? That's this is fucked, like <laughs> right? This is good though. This is this is a great topic because I'm really into sacred geometry. Are you into sacred geometry at all? I know what that is, but I really haven't gone into that. It's like the Fibonacci spiral, right. like the right, golden right. mean. <clears throat> um, in some parts of nature, it's it's completely in our face. Like if you look at a tree or like a vegetable or a flower or something like that, something of nature. Um, it follows this pattern. Um, I think uh, it's for me personally, the idea of like, you know, we can talk about math, right? Um, when I was growing up in school, math to me was this shitty thing that this person was like kind of pushing in my head. And I was like, get this out of here. It's so boring. And it's, uh, 
But now, 32 years later or whatever, 20 years later, I'm totally in love with the language in a completely different light. That's fascinating to me. But is is math something we created yes, to understand? Yeah, or it's a is language, it something, right? Right, or is it... So if it's a language for us to understand the basics of it, but is it really something or how much deeper could it go if we didn't jump to a conclusion of math? I, I know that's never ending crazy. There's a film, uh, there's a documentary called um, <laughs> Particle Fever. Have you seen that Particle Fever on Netflix? No. I'm dropping link bombs everywhere. Andrew, yeah. I hope you're keeping notes of this. People are going to be like, where the hell is all this stuff? But Particle <laughs> Fever, um, Albert Omos brought this up. I watched it. I loved it. There's these two theories of thought. Um, you, are, you, are you aware of the uh, Large Hadron Collider, um, the particle splitting madness thing that's uh, going on? Uh, yeah, yeah. So there's two theories. There's the multiverse theory and the supersymmetry theory. Right. Um, so with math, for example, and you said, you know, when does it end? It actually doesn't because human curiosity is continuous path, right? It's like it's down the spiral, that's what I think I love about Ghost in the Shell as a story. It's just kind of a commentary on the mental journey of a human, human the end, never-ending curiosity, the never-ending spiral, basically. And so with these two theories, I'm bouncing around, sorry, but with these two theories is one of the, the way they document this is great. There's the supersymmetry guys who have been doing mathematical theories for the past like 30 years, their whole like career, everything, their whole life isn't even proven it's all theory but it's all math that per could possibly it's like it's like on the thinnest scaffolding of of plausibility basically isn't that fascinating yeah it's <clears throat> fucked up man it's crazy shit <laughs> and that's what's fascinating about being a human and you bring up math and yes math is a is a language for my out my outlook is a, is a language for us to describe and understand the complexities of the world around us in some kind of tangible sense you know i mean if if there's an early language an ancient language oh they used to speak an ancient language and it's sort of dead but uh, that means what we're doing now is going to be ancient to some sort of down the road uh evolution in in man or whatever or who knows maybe we'll all die but you know <laughs> we it, will. it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before we we can get to that point, <laughs> I would I would hope so. I think that you know English and this form of like whatever all the languages that are that are spoken around the world are very archaic. Um, they're filled with ambiguity. They're not very articulate. Even if you're very articulately spoken, it's it doesn't get across. For example, I'm going to bring up this one painting. It's my favorite of yours. Um, Lights out. We've talked about it last time. Mm -hmm. Um, your painting could, you know, pictures worth a thousand words, blah, blah, blah. It's true though. It's not even a thousand words. It actually could be an endless amount based on how far you want to go down that spiral. Right. And for me, basically, when I look at your piece lights out, well, I want to, if it's okay with you, I'd love to make this a banner image for your episode. So sure. I think it's freaking awesome. If that's okay with you, it's up to uh, you. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure we'll probably get more like listeners if we put like the hulk or something up there or something. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just fucking with you no no, no, no. go ahead please uh, I, that's, that's nice of you thank you but i really loved it and i think that there's um there's many things that i was trying to trying to articulate from my own um perspective of of me as a viewer not having to have made it and kind of observing it from your standpoint um or from my own standpoint i was saying 
the sensibility and the mood, the tone, the lighting, the, the composition, the setting, um, how, how fast my brain runs into narrative, um, the way that you've created this and how it's created a narrative in my mind. Is that your intention with this piece or were you just, you know, having a, a feeling, a mood and you're just going for it? Uh, it is intentional because the first, uh, I, I, as far as thought process that I went through, I placed myself in a room. Uh, and this was based on a track I made. The, originally, Lights Out was an experimental track of, mm. of just... Uh, if, you, if you've actually, uh, on my SoundCloud, I don't know if you've heard it, but it's basically uh, a loop of what sounds like um, two people talking about someone, and which I sampled, uh, but I reverse engineered it into that s- story of the of the image, <clears throat> and uh, a heartbeat, and um, the stringy, <laughs> uh, out of tune guitar strumming like bow 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 and it builds up this rhythm and that placed me in a room i know this sounds insane but that placed me in a room and that's what i painted first i painted this area Hmm. Um, um, so the music came first and then the image yeah. start to appear. So the synesthesia was coming in fucking clear <laughs> that day. You're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and influences from uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow yes. were playing into that. Mm. But um, <clears throat> Did you like that film? I did. I enjoyed it. I, Interesting, towards, huh? towards the end, it sort of got a little wobbly. But no, I, re- <laughs> I really, I like it. Yeah. It's definitely um, an interesting one. Yeah, it's very, it's unsettling. Um, <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. The score is great, huh? The score really does it. Yeah. Yeah. Bring that um, up a lot. Yeah. But sorry, I, you were talking about the process. Yeah. And, uh, um, well, you know what? Actually, what I really should do is maybe one day sit down and make a, like a video of how I work. I've been asked by many people to do that and I've never done it. I don't know why, I'm, and I don't mean to be a dick by not doing it, uh, but I, I've never, uh, I've always thought that I wouldn't be able to uh, art- articulate or break break down how I think because I'm, I'm all over the place, I think. I'm Could not. you possibly record it and then talk about it after? Or Sure. You, yeah, that, that that's, that's probably, probably something. I would do it. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to stop and, and explain things as you go through it. It ruins the flow of consciousness, I think. Yeah. When I, I had to do one of those and I had to I had to do it and then record over it so and explain. Cause it's challenging, for me at least. You're on that you're on that ride, you know? Yeah. It's like stopping the the ocean. It's kind of complicated. But um uh and then I placed this girl sitting on the bed sickly mm. looking and uh i wanted her staring at me the viewer or yeah. anybody else looking at the image and that's a connection i wanted to have is um whether she is staring at you or just the empty corner of that room that you're in um 
it's just a feeling. I followed a feeling. Uh, it's nothing concrete. I wasn't following a script or, but I wanted to capture the feeling from the music. And I think if anything, um, that's my personal strength is, uh, really being in touch with the mood uh, of the feeling I'm getting from music or any idea and being able to pinpoint exactly what that is uh, and not thinking about how to get there and how to design around it. Uh, that somewhat comes later, uh, strangely enough. Uh, I love, I'm going to trail off here a bit, but I love how Rob Rupel designs his paintings. Do you know who Rob Rupel is? No, I'm looking him up right now. I possibly probably do. Um, uh, but uh, he's very graphic, and he, I love how he builds up his pieces. Um, but uh, I And I always wanted to try starting my work like that, and I have several times, and it and it dies. Just the feeling, the 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 mood of the work dies. Mm. I always find starting first with the feeling and the mood for myself. Yeah. And well, your keep, paintings have that, and keeping to that, and later designing into it. That's mm. that's uh, that's always how it's worked better for, for me. And so probably that's why. That's why it, I love it. That's why you uh, connect with it. Yeah. Like I don't. Know. Well, I'm connecting with you um, on that wavelength, you know, that you've connect, you've created from this thing. It's not, um, there's some art that you can see that's over, over designed, over placed, over trying, you know, like, oh, this is the palette from Pixar's film. I'm going to do that palette. You know, it's not necessarily that it's, it's on a whole different plane of, of, of feeling sensibilities. Um, not, not like one way is better than the other. It's just what I like personally. Um, and that's one of those pieces probably out of all of them. I don't know if this is like a very popular one, but for me, it really speaks to me personally. Um, just as a creative, um, this is a shot that I would want to put into a film line. You know, it's just the way that you've set it up. is like, this feels like it goes in one of my films. That's what's cool. You know, I, I really dig it. It's like, you're looking into my head and finding that feeling and you're giving it to me. I was like, Oh, this is great. So thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah I think, uh, it's, to touch on the design element, at least uh, uh, where that comes into play is is the um, is the color on the on the monitor hmm. and the the neck yeah. brace and connecting her to the tech that's holding her in place in that room. Yeah, the wall and, sh and showing the right exactly like some there's something about that something is in it and I, and that. That's also, I mean, I didn't invent that. That comes from the design of Portal and a lot of films that uh, I've seen. Uh, sure. But yeah, it's. But you've taken it somewhere, you know? I appreciate that. And I think it's cool. And it's, yeah, this is. Thank you. You know, we talked about originality. Obviously, this is um culmination of many things that we both admire, and especially you and subconsciously how you work and build things out. What's your idea of subconscious what, what do you think of the subconscious what do you what is it to you uh the subconscious should always remain subconscious 
<laughs> and we should never try to dig deeper, but we should always allow and be open-minded to let whatever goes in and feed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the quote for this podcast wow. for you. Holy shit, I don't know. You got deep in that one, dude. You got deep in that one. <laughs> Subconscious, um, you know, uh, I, I always wondered if, if I just had a memorable dream, whether it was intense or magical or whatever, if that was subconscious or if that's controlled or I don't know. I mean, uh, what is a dream? Because I pull a lot from dreams too sometimes. So if I'm pulling from a dream, that's a conscious act because I'm sitting there going remembering. Mm -hmm. But subconscious is when you're painting something and you're, you zoom out, for example, on an, you find a photo, random photo off of Google, and you zoom all the way out to like literally a thumbnail size. And you walk away from your computer. You come back and you look at it again and you see a completely different image from what it was originally. Mm-hmm. And that's your mind playing tricks on you or whatever, but that's also, I think, subconscious uh, ideas coming in and forming a completely different image. And you paint on that scale. You take a big brush and you chisel whatever. When you zoom in, it's a completely different image. And that's all the magic of Photoshop too, by the way. I don't know if that'd be possible, uh, uh, as effective, I should say, in, in traditional media. It's hard to do. You can't stretch your arm 30 feet away. <laughs> you can throw paint at the canvas, maybe. Fucking I don't know. <laughs> try it. You have a bunch of assistants. Okay, now paint that big brush. Yeah, it's challenging. The, the act of Photoshop is, uh, I find it a good and bad for me personally, because even um, like drawing, I, I lose track of um, scale. And then I print something. I go, what the fuck? <laughs> like, this doesn't look good. <laughs> I remember when I did these posters for Mondo, and on my screen, it looked okay. But then when I printed it, it was way bigger than I thought. And I just saw all my errors. And I'm like, oh, this is dead to me. I hate this. Like, I hate it. <laughs> and so I vowed just like after that, I was like, I have to draw it full size. I'm going to do one of these again or somewhere similar so I know what it's going to look like at the end. Because digital is very, it's very <laughs> tricky like that. Yeah. At least, you know, it's, especially if you're trans- transitioning to mediums, basically like going from digital to out. Do you, do you find yourself um, tapping into your subconscious when you work with client work? And how, how does that work, your ratio for client work to um, your traditional personal kind of explorations and stuff? Yeah, I think I've gotten better at uh, uh, faster at uh, using that part uh, just over time. Uh, before I didn't really probably know it if I was using it, but now I can, I know exactly, oh, this is perfect. Bam. And it's, and work goes uh, faster. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting. Actually, I don't, I think if I was to analyze it, which I don't like to do, uh, the, the, uh, the, subconscious is all the moments in life we have and later we just do we whatever we create uh we put it in we we don't know if we're putting it in or not but we put Mm -hmm. it in whether we know it right that's the thing yeah it's interesting it's interesting way of looking at it 
It's hard I mean, to tell, right? There's no, there's no real. It's not. It's nothing magical or about it, right? I mean, it's it's not like a, there's a supernatural thing feeding us this thing. No, but it's maybe, our maybe. experience. <laughs> don't discredit artificial intelligence. I don't want to sound like an asshole saying all this stuff. No, but but it's it's uh, people are know. getting offended. Turn this off. Get away from us. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> no, as far as like um. You, you have you mean you're working full-time at a studio now right uh it's it's freelance contract but freelance uh, contract I'm, I'm i'm there almost every day so get to work you <laughs> draw some stuff and so your day job consists of what is that uh boarding out black and white to color frames storyboarding and keyframes, cinematic keyframes. Setting the mood and tone for the director to translate that to the crew? Uh, it's uh, currently, there is no crew. Uh, it's actually very uh, nice what I get to do. It's almost a dream uh, job in a way because mm. I'm uh, doing exactly what I want to do with my personal work, which is... Uh, have you ever seen La Jete? I think we talked about this last time. Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah. Uh, creating a st- creating stories through still images. So mm-hmm. what they're having me do is boarding out these short stories that they're pitching to clients. Mm. Um, and edit. I don't edit it. We have our editor, but uh, yeah, I I sequentially create the entire story following. Uh, a, a narrative and uh and that's that and i move um, every two weeks three weeks new story bam 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 and um how, it's many, nice. how many images are you usually pushing out a day uh, a day mm-hmm. um i want to say about <laughs> man 20 25 something like that black in black and white mm. uh, then you focus on one for color uh, uh, or you transition then, all of them when i finish it's about sometimes from 50 frames to 80 mm. for this boarded sequence and then i go back and i do my color yeah awesome you're working pretty fast so uh, yeah, yeah. It keeps, uh, it, that's where this designing has come from. And this influence from Fincher is I've been looking at films and studying composition and because I don't want to just sloppily be creating frames and yeah, that looks cool. That feels right. I mean, feeling, <laughs> feeling is nice, but yes. I, I also do want uh, some sort of. Oh, so you do want to know, huh? I do, but but only to a basic. I think that's all is needed is just a basic tone, a basic foundation. Yeah. And the rest could just uh, be free. The feeling. Yeah. The essence. That's a good way of looking at it, though. Yeah, I'm just curious because I, it seems like when I look at your client work as well, you're managing to put a lot of what I sense of being some of your personal qualities into that work. So do you feel that you compromise much with your personal work or is it, is it what you are, who you are and how you work? I think it's because I got to, I I had the freedom to work from home. Mm. Uh, It's a different 
it feels different if those pieces, whichever ones you're looking at, if I had to sit next to someone telling me and over art directing is like, mm, change that shit. But I had that one go, bam, and I give to them and they liked it or not. And then changes had to be made, whatever. But mm. most of the time it was, you know, I would hit it right on the nose and then everybody's happy. That's, that's a good thing. Um, so, uh, yeah yeah definitely i mean it's just it's a matter of connecting your um client stuff to um i don't know i just there's like looking at like the piece strength which is like hulk grabbing at like iron man suit or something that's a client piece right is it not uh exploration uh, that was a little more personal i don't know if i can talk about that it was for uh, don't get in trouble dude disney will freaking <laughs> they're hearing this right now they got they uh, they pay a big payroll I, I, man i don't care it, it, it was uh it was an attempt to maybe uh try to uh, get to work with that team d land yeah but uh you know whatever i i i actually don't like to do shit like that at all the, yeah. the the fan if it's for work if it's if i'm going to be getting paid fine but personal um nah. but i what i did try to do at least is in, instill my own sensibilities into that work and yeah. i think that's what you're asking yeah right? is, yeah is, uh, i didn't want to mimic what is already out there i kind of wanted to uh take what i like about film and put it in in that and i did yeah so we talked a little bit about Alberto Miogo's work too. Yeah. Um, have you had a chance to reach out to him or check out any of his work since we last talked? I, I always, I have a, a huge folder. <laughs> <laughs> How sick is that guy, huh? Yeah. I love it. Such a boss. So good. Yeah. Did you, have you thought, cause last time we spoke, you were talking about possibly making um, some kind of a, a, a mash between um, your art and what you do and trying to create a film out of it. And when you were describing it, I was like, Oh, you guys see Alberto's work because it's really, it's kind of what you're describing. Is it still kind of what you're describing in a sense? Kind of he's, uh, he's, he animates a lot more. Hmm. Uh, you're talking about sending mood, right? Like the black and white piece. I, that you're talking th- about. I think I am definitely, um, gonna maybe stick to still and try to use sound Mm. a lot more if that no it makes sense sense. um you brought up a reference to like a black and white photograph kind of film experience right i think that was was something that you had referenced last time we spoke yeah was that Uh, was a love you just mentioned it yeah la jete la Mm jete yeah yeah it was very Uh, interesting yeah um <clears throat> it's uh, all still photography and proper really well edited together and just the way the the narrative is being acted out mm-hmm. it, it it's it's brilliant i mean it's a lesson in film it's a master class in storytelling i think um and I watch that a lot. I've been rewatching it and rewatching it, and every time I do, I just uh, I don't think I'm ready to do it. <laughs> so it just keeps me 
going, ah, ah, how the hell, how the hell do I do this? Hmm. I, I, uh, and it actually, the simplest answer is, uh, the best one of, I'm, I'm only realizing, realizing that more is I just need to simplify my, my idea, my frames. Hmm. Um, so you can get it done just to, just so I can get it done. And, and I'm not saying, uh, m- make things easier for me. I'm saying, uh, w- what's the initial, uh, idea you want to get off in this shot, man shooting another man, bam do that and then that's that's an that's an image that's already telling a lot of story i don't have to spend time in creating Ilya repin that's a different realm you know that's a different realm of storytelling the old classic masters of illustration norman rockwell told so much story through his illustrations and Ilya repin as well uh so much and you look in the details and in the shadows of the rooms that they painted and in the background and you see you, you see things you never notice and then you the story unfolds it it springs back like a rubber band and you go holy shit this entire piece i thought was about the love uh, relationship between these two characters in the foreground but actually they hate each other <laughs> you mm. know shit like that yeah i don't want to do that i want to mm. just be direct and create um, a story through still images, good, but very, very clean cut, and just start there. And you should only want to make your own thing, you know. Yeah, it shouldn't be a compromise, especially if it's going to be your own time and something that you want to make, you know. Yeah, at least that's what I think. We're gonna probably wrap this baby up, man. You have anything else that we wanted to talk about? Uh, if you got any questions uh, that you'd like to cover, I. I always have questions. It's <laughs> really enjoying the ones you already were asking. I I don't know if I was r- ranting or trailing off though. No, I don't think so. We never rant, dude. It's never <laughs> rant. Nah. Healthy conversation about interesting topics, yo. <laughs> we got to do the uh, Halloween. Yes. I was just talking to Andrew about that. We are actually setting up something cool. Um, so, we'll, I don't know. Should we talk about that a little, Andrew? Um, or you want to keep it top secret? Let's, let's keep it top secret. Where we'll people you don't even have build interest. Yeah, you don't even know you're about to experience something rad. But yeah, we will definitely do that. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. We have some really cool things in the mix for that. So awesome. We'll set something up because um, I actually did revisit it after our podcast, and I was like, wow, like this film has aged a ton, but there's still some amazing things to it. Like, have you guys ever considered doing a video podcast? Yeah, moving into that realm, possibly. Um, the problem is, is I can only do podcasts in the nude and I lay, <laughs> and I'm constantly lathering Chipotle sauce on me while I do the, the so it's kind of awkward. It's Andrew's fault. He's told me how good the salsa feels on your skin. So mm. undeniably, <laughs> it's undeniably amazing. Yeah, it is. But we will definitely do that. That's for sure. And we'll have, there's, we talked a lot of, about a lot of stuff here, but please go watch, go watch it. Foxcatcher text me and then also it follows i'm curious i definitely it follows if anything go see that in the theater because it's freaking rad the feeling of it and everybody that's listening if you don't like that film i don't know but go see it because it's rad it's really cool john copperner fans you know i think it's like a it's a proper homage i think in, in many ways so i think you'll dig it absolutely it's freaking awesome
But yeah, man, dude, thank you so much. I'm again, sorry for the freaking mishap from oh, episode okay. one, but this is great. I'm stoked. And it's just another chance to hang out and talk with you. So anytime I'll be up in LA and when I do, we'll hang out and oh, let me know. We'll Please. chill. Maybe go watch a movie and freak yeah. out about it. I still need to uh, watch an Aaron Vice. Did you, did you get to, I haven't seen that yet either. No, unfortunately. Yeah. Bad. Huh? I feel bad. There's... Me too. Yeah. Cause I love his films. I don't know what it is. It's, I have to go watch it though. I don't know why I haven't seen that yet. Why? Yeah, I've picked a lot of other random movies. What are you going to watch in the next, this next week? Are you planning on what is something that you have in your scope? Probably it follows or Fox. I mean, I, I was I was uh, uh, anything else. It was going to be an inherent vice. I yeah. don't have a lot on my list right now, uh, and there's a lot out there. I yeah. think I just need to collect collect my head when it comes to that. Oh, you're just mentioning your Fincher. Bonanza. That's yeah. why I was curious because I love yeah. I love studying his stuff too. Oh yeah, he's, he's incredible. Whether you like his work or not, yeah, you can't deny it. Yeah, he's great. He's one of those awesome guys. Well, is there anything that you wanted to relate to anybody? Give a little shout out. A little shout out time. Some coworkers, well, uh, ex girlfriends. <laughs> Fuck you, Nacho. <laughs> uh, I'm just messing with you. Don't not really. Yeah. It's. Uh, <laughs> Thank, thank you, you for guys. listening. If, I know <laughs> friends will probably be listening to this, so thank you. And uh, thank you for the opportunity again. And that does it for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening in. You can find links to Alex's work and all the show notes for this week's episode at thecollectivepodcast.com slash 99. You can also find links to our Facebook and Twitter. And check us out on iTunes. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Be powerful. Be prolific. Peace out. <laughs>